Kentucky movie in the Fellowship Hall. We're going to watch a movie called Tulsa, and it's a, a 2020 version. It's not the old old movie. It's called Tulsa, and it will warm your heart. I don't know of any other announcements to make. I just want to say if you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here. Hopefully you found somewhere around you a blue card. Uh, if you wouldn't mind filling that out, I'm not going to pressure you to, force you to. No one's going to stand and look over your shoulder. Um, if you want to be a high-tech redneck, there is a QR code that you could scan, and you could actually complete a Vistra card online. There's a digital bulletin there. Uh, when you scan that QR code, scroll down to the bottom, and you can, uh, you can let us know that you were worshiping with us. Um, we are going to uh, take the Lord's Supper together, and, and I have to say, didn't anticipate this many people. And so we are, unfortunately, out of the single-serve cups. Um, so thanks for your patience. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, I just didn't anticipate this many people, which is good. It's a good problem to have. It's just I should have been more prepared. Anyway, any other announcements? Oh, Miss Bond wanted me to say, um, remind you about um, becoming a prayer champion. Um, the Pray For Me campaign is still ongoing. Our youth um, are reaching out um, to adults in our church all of all ages in order to seek out people that would pray for them. Uh, and if you want to be a part of that, um, there is a sign-up sheet in the back um, actually in the foyer. So while you're standing line, standing in line uh, for lunch, uh, just make sure you look over there. There may be somebody there uh, kind of coercing you to sign up. Uh, but please, if you're interested in that, take part in that. You will receive a book that will help you to be guided in how to pray for a certain youth. You won't pick the youth. The youth will come to you, and they will ask you if you will be a part of it. So, all right, did I cover all the announcements? There's a lot of moving parts today, and I'm barely keeping my nose above water. So. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, uh, it is a great day to be together. And I know that we normally do this at the end of the service, but I thought because we are baptizing this morning and we are teaching these four young people how to observe, and we'll continue as a church to teach them how to observe all the things that God has commanded us, I thought our, our call to worship today would be something we're very familiar with. So would you please stand? I will read the first slide, and if you will join together with me on the second slide, we'll read it all together. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's worship.
Like I said at the beginning of the service, we have the privilege of seeing four young people being baptized today. What a glorious thing that is. Um, today, I mentioned this too, we are uh, partaking and we're, we're seeing um, the two ordinances that as Baptists we recognize, and that is baptism and the Lord's Supper. And I want to take a moment just briefly uh, to explain once again what baptism is. It's the first step of obedience for a new believer. It's their public profession of faith. And what it pictures, and, and you might remember this when you, um, if you're married, and, and when you got married, um, about how um, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That, that two lives have become one. Baptism shows that. You know, when, when, when we baptize, we're going to say, buried with him. Christ, by baptism, buried with him, but <clears throat> by baptism into death. When Christ died, I died. So it, it, it shows how Christians identify with Christ in his work and how that work is applied to us. So when Christ died, I died. When he was raised, I was raised. And now I'm able to walk in newness of life. So when a person's lowered, it, it looks like death. The person's been put into the ground. When the person is raised up out of the water, it shows resurrection. Baptism also uh, depicts how we as unclean people in the eyes of God are washed clean by the blood of Christ. And so it's, it's a beautiful uh, ordinance. Our kids, uh, they are going to give a brief testimony. Uh, the first two that are going to come up are, uh, are Lily Beck. I'm sorry. Yeah, Lily Graves and James Beck. A lot of moving parts this morning. Aggie brain. So thanks for your patience. But they're going to come up, and uh, Jared's going to baptize them, and then we'll carry on with our worship time. Test, test. This is cold, y'all. It's on. Can y'all hear me? All right. I think the Jordan River was warm. This is my daughter, Lily. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning, there, there's a lot of important things in our lives. We can think of our wedding. We can think of the day that our children are born, and we can look back and say those are some of the most important days or things that happen in our life. Um, but above that, there is, there is nothing more joyful and more important, I believe, than not just your children's birth, but their rebirth. And to get the privilege to be able to baptize my daughter and my son, who are now my brother and my sister in Christ, is an amazing privilege. So this is Lily. She's going to share a, a brief testimony.
Lily's very nervous, very nervous, and she's been nervous about this. And, and you know, up until this point, she had, she wrote it, but she says, please read it for me, I'm, I'm scared. And that's okay, we, we understand that. So from Lily, she says, this is my testimony. All my life, since I was a little girl, I've been going to church. Um, <laughs> I had to be dead or sick to miss church. <laughs> the thing is, I have grown up surrounded with love in the church. I have always believed in Christ. I would just never commit because I was afraid I would disappoint Christ. As I got older, I started to read my Bible a lot more, but I would never commit to Christ. My parents would always ask me, are you ready? Um, truthfully, I never responded, and she did not. I never responded, and I just, um, I just would never respond, and I would get awkward. <laughs> not Lily. But this summer, I felt God was trying to pull me towards him. Um, in the middle of me thinking this, Miss Thornton, who y'all know, Sidani, comes up to me and asks if I would like to be a counselor at her camp, which was a Bible camp um, at her house. Of course, I said yes. I just think that is a perfect example of God pulling me towards him. A few weeks ago, or a few weeks go by, and the next thing I know, it's time for um, Camp Zephyr, our youth camp. Oh, I'm sorry. It is the day before camp. I was terrified, but deep down inside, I knew that God was trying to pull me closer to him. The whole week was a blast, but I still wasn't quite ready to commit. The next thing I know is that I felt I was rejoicing more than ever. The day comes, and at the, the evening service, the band started playing a song that says there is nothing better than you. I felt wrong singing it because I didn't know God. Everything hit me. I mean everything, she says. I started crying my eyes out. So Sydney grabbed my hand, hugged me, and asked if I wanted to go talk. My parents, Sydney, and myself all talked, and I told them I wanted to give my life to Christ. I finally realized there was nothing I could do to earn my salvation, so there was nothing that I could do to lose it. I realized there was really nothing to be afraid of in the sense that I might mess it up. Right there with Sydney, my mom, and my dad, I gave my life to Christ. I surrendered it to him. I am excited for my journey with Christ to grow closer to him and with God. Amen. Amen. So a brief explanation of something. We had had a lesson at our camp where I had, I was just seeing some things and a little convicted. There were a bunch of unbelievers there. There were, that's how it is sometimes. And I told the kids, we're singing these amazing songs to God like there's nothing better than you. And you're singing to a God you don't know. And that's where Lily says, I, I couldn't really sing that because I didn't know this God. How can I say there's nothing better than you? And she wanted to know God. And 
we explained to her there's only one way to do that. So, Lily, in that, and based on what we just read, do you profess Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Do you commit to follow after him all the days of your life? Yes. So, Lily Graves, my daughter and sister in Christ. <laughs> I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with him into death. I thought someone said we were going to get the heater fixed, but that's okay. I think it's good you come up just <laughs> so this is James Beck my son um, and he's going to hopefully share his testimony with you story of Matthew that he went up to Matthew who was a tax collector and a sinner who knew he was a sinner and said follow me and he got up and followed him and so after that I went and I found my dad and we talked and I prayed and I told him that I wanted to give my life to Jesus For those of y'all that don't know, this is all part of the just amazing week we had at camp. And these four young men and women professed Christ. Um, I got to tell a story to not real, real brief. So James does. He comes up to me and he says, Dad, I, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm tired of, it, of being scared. I'm tired of being worried. And I'm like, what, son? He's in tears. And he says, I just, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it, and I know I believe what the Bible says. And if something happens to me today, I will not be with God. And so I'm, like, getting excited. <laughs> okay, 
we're going to do this. And he says, I, I'm ready. I want to give my life to Christ. And I, I'm like, great. I, I said, son, I really feel like you've, you've done that before you even came and found me. And so I start, okay, I, I got to go through, do you know you're a sinner? Do you know this? And he's like, dad, I already know that. I've known it. I believed it. Just like Matthew. Jesus said, follow me and I want to follow. And that was it. And some of y'all, if you felt that, it was an amazing experience because I literally witnessed a miracle in my midst. Um, and then, I, Macy, I got to share it. <laughs> Macy is very good friends with James, and she's kind of standing off in the distance and knows something's going on. James is like, I got to go get something from my dorm. And Macy comes up, and I kind of give her this thumbs up. James is a believer now, and that girl ran down the road faster than I've ever seen her run, <laughs> jumping and screaming with joy for her friend. It was amazing to see her happy for her friend, who is now also her brother in Christ. So James Beck, based on what you've just said, do you profess Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you commit to following after him all the days of your life? I do. Amen. James, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him unto death, and raised with him in newness of life. Amen. of moving parts. Let's stand together. songs about <laughs> thank you thank you one is honest I appreciate that so you don't get saved just to go to heaven y'all realize that right you get saved so you can be conformed to the image of Christ and then when all that is over you get to spend eternity with him and y'all are singing this like you're going on a cruise in about six months <laughs> This is talking about a place that you won't have any more struggles or pains or sorrows or hurts or old crickety bones or hearing that's going away or eyes that are dimming. But you will walk in eternity with Jesus Christ in the sweet by and by. So let's sing this together. Let's sing it like we're a room full of saved people, shall we? Amen. 
out your copy of God's Word, you can have a seat. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Okay. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you, as, or if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. God, we come to you this morning just confessing that apart from Jesus Christ, we are hopelessly lost. God, we need to see you this morning. Reveal a little more of yourself to us. God's people, let's stand together and sing this song.
me put you on my shoulders? Okay. All right. I just want to make sure you can see everybody. All right. Can y'all hear this well enough? Do we need to boost this up a little bit? Can y'all hear it okay? Okay. Just want to make sure that everybody can hear uh, because what these kids are saying is, is worth listening to. Okay, so I have the, the privilege of baptizing uh, Weston Woolsey and Emma Owens, and uh, Weston's going to take just a brief moment and, and share what God has done for him. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose three days later, and now I am his. Amen. What else do you need to know? Right? All right, so Weston, come around on this side, please. There you go, perfect. All right, so Weston, turn around this way. There you go. See these guys, okay? So Weston, have you professed Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord? And do you intend the rest of your days to walk in faithfulness to him? All right, Weston. Just turn this way. Perfect. And upon your profession of faith, Weston, of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him by baptism and death, Raised to walk in the of life. Amen. Amen. So now Emma Owens is going to come down. She's going to share a brief testimony as well. So, Emma, have you professed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Put your faith and trust in Him? Yes. And do you intend to follow Him all the days of your life? Yes. Then, Emma, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Him by baptism into death, Grace to walk in newness of life. Suspenseful, right? No? Okay. Let's stand together. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I look up and realize that I've been pretty self-sustaining. Sometimes things happen that make me go, wow, I really need Jesus. And sometimes he just reminds me that he's there. And I realize that I really need Jesus. 
to you this morning. Confessing that to you, Father. That we need you. Every hour we need you, Father. As we remember what you did on the cross today. As we remember what you did in an empty tomb today. We pray that you glorified in us and that your truth will resonate in our hearts. would ask you, if you would, please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Ephesians. Turn to the book of Ephesians. I'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, you should find one around you. It's black. Um, if you're not familiar with, with the Bible, the Bible is, is organized into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is in the back of the Bible, so if you will find um, the back of the Bible and turn to page, and I did not put it in, the, somebody? 151. 151. All right, great. Thanks, Jared. I knew I liked you for a reason. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, and this is God's word. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we, all, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God. Amen. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's pray together. 
Father, as this, this text is illuminated, I pray, Lord, that it does not return void. As we are reminded, Lord, of what you have done for us in Christ, may it just bring joy to our hearts. And Lord, for those that don't know Christ, pray that your word would not return void, that it would do the work that, that you send it forth to accomplish. Accomplish that in the hearts and minds of unbelieving people today and call them to yourself. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, in God's good providence, we have the joyous privilege of witnessing baptisms and of observing the Lord's Supper together. And both of these observances put the gospel of Jesus Christ on full display. Before we observe the Lord's Supper together, I just wanted us to take a few moments to be reminded of the gospel that we have received. Since gospel means good news, Paul reminds the Ephesian church of the bad news. And the bad news you find in these first three verses. Paul says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, Paul says, We were corrupt. We were born in sin. You know, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, that meant that every one of their children were going to be born sinners just like mom and dad. And so that passed on down the line and applies to you and I. We were corrupt. We were born in trespasses and sin, in sin and corruption. We were physically alive, but spiritually dead, spiritually stillborn. Not only were we corrupt, we were also controlled. Look at verse 2. He says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. In other words, we were controlled by a sinful world. We followed the roadmap of this world. We were born with Google Maps of this world running in the background of our lives. We always accepted its turn-by-turn directions. But we're also controlled by our sinful lusts and desires. Verse 3, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So we were, contro- we were born con- con- um, corrupt, we were controlled, but then verse 3 tells us we're also condemned. The end of verse 3 says, And were by nature children of wrath. Wrath. God's wrath against sin. We were condemned to sin's penalty, which was to spend eternity not receiving the goodness of God, but receiving only His wrath. Why? Because Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Well, you might say, While the deck was stacked against me, I was born into sin, I was born corrupt, I was controlled by this sinful world and controlled by the desires that are within me, and I was condemned to sin's penalty. This is is not my fault. That's not fair. I shouldn't be condemned because of the deck being stacked against me. Well, we were also culpable. That means responsible. Notice again what verse 1 says. You were dead in whose trespasses and sins? Yours. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Verse 2 says, we were the ones formerly walking. That indicates a pattern of life that conformed to the course of this world. 
It was us that were lumped into a group of people in verse 2 called the sons of disobedience. We were disobedient. We instinctively knew what was right. And instead we chose sin anyway. It was us who lived, verse 3 says, in the lusts of our flesh. It was us that indulged the desires of the flesh and the mind. We freely chose how we would live. But at that time, we were not free to choose contrary to our corrupt, controlled, condemned nature. No one forced us. No one coerced us to sin. We freely chose to sin. It came naturally to us. We were like a a duck in water. And what that means is that we were at one time without God, without hope, D-E-A-D, dead, lost. But the emphasis is on the word were. See, the bad news was really bad. And we need to hear the, the bad news again to be reminded about how bad things were for us. So that we will be once again overjoyed by how good the good news really is. And the good news starts in verse 4, but God. Now for some people that might be the scariest thing you've ever heard. Because you might think of God as some ogre in the sky who would love nothing more when you just give him the opportunity to stick his thumb down and just squash you like a grape. But that's not what this verse says. The good news is good because of God's ways. Look at verse 4. It says that we were, um, verse 5, we were dead in our transgressions. While we were dead in our transgressions, God acted in accordance with his ways and his nature. It says in verse 4 that God, one of his ways is that he is rich in mercy. It also says in verse 4 that he has great mercy. Love. Now, I need to explain because I'm going to use some terms here and I don't want them to pass over us all. When I said that God is rich in mercy, what that means is we all deserved what God should have rightly given us. He's a just God. He should have condemned us to hell. But instead, He gave us what we, He, we, he did not give us what we really deserved. In his great love, in his active, sacrificial love, out of what verse 5 calls his, um, 5 and 6 talk about God having grace or the surpassing riches of his grace. Grace meaning we didn't get what, we got what we didn't deserve and couldn't earn. Mercy is you, you don't get what you really should have gotten. And grace is you got what you could have never earned. So the good news is good because God is good. His ways are good. But not only are God's ways good, the good news is good because of God's works. First accomplished in Christ. See, God, having mercy out of his great love, sent his son to the earth. And he was incarnated in human flesh. He was incarnated in a sinless birth. And Jesus lived a sinless life. Only Christ could qualify as the spotless sacrificial lamb that we needed. His atoning death, he died on the cross in our place. It should have been my death. It should have been your death. But instead, Christ died to atone for, to pay for the sin that was ours. 
And he was resurrected from the dead, as Weston reminded us, on the third day. And only Christ could atone for sin. And only Christ could be fully resurre- could be resurrected to prove that God had indeed accepted his sacrifice as full payment for sin. But then Christ was ascended to heaven. He sat at the right hand of God. If you think I'm just kind of making this up on the fly, I just want to remind you that Paul talks about these things about in, in verse 6. Raised up with him, seated with him in the heavenly places. Um, and, and so Paul is talking there um, about the work that Christ did. And when he was ascended to heaven and he was seated at the right hand of God, it proved that only Christ could ascend to the Father. And that proved that he really could bring us to God. And only Christ, after he had finished his work in his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension, only Christ could be seated at the right hand of God. And his being seated, proving that his work as a high priest on our behalf is done. And that he and he alone is our conquering and victorious king. The good news is good because God is good and because he's done a good work. But not only that, he then applied it to us. Notice how Paul describes God applying the work of Christ to us. He says, and raised, uh, verse 5, made us alive together with Christ. Verse 6, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. When Paul says we were made alive in verse 5, he means that we were spiritually resurrected. And raised up refers to the ascension that Christ has already, now not physically, but spiritually, brought us to God. And then God applied the work to us by seating us with Christ. We are participants in the finished work of Jesus Christ, our victorious King. And one day we will reign with Him. So only Christ could take us from being Take us from being dead in trespasses and sins to being alive together with him. Only Christ could bring us from being in sin to being in Christ. Only Christ could take us from being without God to being with Christ. All of this is only possible through Christ. So when God applied the work of Christ to our life, we say it like this. Jesus' righteous life is our righteous life. His sacrificial death on the cross for sins is our sacrificial death, our death. His victorious resurrection is our resurrection. His righteousness is our righteousness. Because we're His, we're in Him. Now how did we go about receiving this indescribable gift of salvation? Paul tells us. Twice he says, by grace you have been saved. Verse 8, For by grace, getting what you could never, ever have earned. By grace, you have been saved through faith. You've been saved from the penalty of sin. You're being saved from the power of sin. One day, you'll be saved from the presence of sin. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, through believing that God is good, that he worked in Christ, that he really does truly want to give you this gift, not thinking, oh, you're going to mess it up. Remember what Lily said? 
I, I don't know that I could do it. I'm afraid I would mess things up and God would be mad at me. No, that is not true. How we show that we really, how we showed that we really did believe that God wanted to save us through Christ was just reaching out and receiving what he wanted to give us. It wasn't from our works because our works, as God says, they smell like filthy rags in his sight. But the works that Christ did, those are the works that actually save us. Not our works, but Christ's work. So at the end of the day, we say this. I am saved, but God alone gets the glory. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are a glorious reminder of the surpassing riches of God's grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. But some of you here this morning may not have received this glorious gift. And I have to tell you, where Paul said you were, and then he listed those things, the truth of the matter is you are corrupt, born in sin, dead in trespasses and sin. You are controlled. You may not realize it, but you are walking in accordance with the turn-by-turn directions of the Google Maps of this world. And you do it willingly. You are controlled by the lusts of your own flesh. And you do it voluntarily. No one twists your arm behind your back. And all of this condemns you. And don't think for a moment that you aren't responsible. You are indeed culpable for each and every one of your sins. No one made you sin. You sinned of your own free will. That is the bad news. But the good news is God has accomplished through Christ what you could never accomplish for yourself so that you, by grace, through faith, can be saved. And so I tell you in closing, God commands all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. So I cannot urge you enough to walk out that door today and to not reach out and to receive the gift of God is signing your own spiritual death sentence. Don't do it. Let's pray. Fathers, we turn our hearts to a time of response and then take the Lord's Supper together. We pray, God, uh, that for those that need to make a decision today, that you would impress upon their heart that is, it's not something they ate. It's, it's not emotionalism. It's, it's the tug of the Holy Spirit saying, you know Shannon is right. What he, what he preached in the Word is true. came straight out of, out of the Holy Spirit's mouth, and you need to listen. Lord, that they would do that this day. And Lord, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper ourselves, uh, that we would truly do that, prepare ourselves, be reminded of what you did for us in Christ, and that we would... Um, we need to confess anything that we would do it so that we can with a clear conscience and a clear heart celebrate what Christ has done for us we pray it in his name amen sorry if you need to make a decision we're going to stand and sing build my life I will be down front if you need to make some sort of decision I would love to speak with you but we're going to sing this entire song so use this as a time to prepare yourself for the Lord's Supper
now going to take the Lord's Supper together. Um, so I understand we do have a few extra cups and bread now in the back on the table. Um, if you haven't had a chance to, to get that, you can you can get up now. I apologize for not having uh, as many. I do want to uh, do what is known as, as fencing the table. You may not be aware of that particular verbiage before. Um, but the Lord's Supper is only for believers. It's not something that a non-believer can partake in. So if you have not yet put your faith and trust in Christ for salvation, um, then, then this supper is not for you. And we're not trying to be exclusive. It's just that's what the Bible teaches, okay? So we, we endeavor to, to walk in faithfulness to Scripture. Um, also, um, if you've been scripturally baptized, if you've been immersed, then, then we want you to be a part of that. And, of course, we believe scripturally is, you know, you're immersed just like we, we showed right there. Um, and if, if that's you, then we, we definitely want you to partake with us. So if you meet those conditions, we, we would love to have you join with us. Um, one thing I did want to say, Mom and Dad, I know that there may be an opportunity where um, kids will want to, um, they'll want a, a part of, in it, but, again, they're not believers. Use this as a time to, uh, to talk to them about what this means. And uh, we'll all pray together that one day they put their faith and trust in Christ and we celebrate with them on their day. Does everyone have one? Okay, thank you, Jared. All right, so if you would please um, take the bread side and open that back. Should be a little piece of bread in there. If you'll just take it and hold on to it, we will partake of it all together. All right, I'm going to read um, from 1 Corinthians 11, and this is in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's the body of Christ broken for you. Now, if you'll flip the cup over, if you have one of those, uh, and just peel back the juice. We're Baptists. We use juice. <laughs> I'll continue to read in verse 25. Again, just peel it back and wait. We'll take it together. Picking up again in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. It says, In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Blood of Christ spilt for you. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right, 
if we can have our four the four young ones that were baptized. Yeah, Lily, you could come down front again. So Lily and Weston, Emma and James, if y'all would come down front. Um, these four, I can report to you that you know before I baptized them, I spent a good amount of time talking to each one of them, um, trying to discern that they understand what they were doing. And not only that, had they've been changed by what they professed to have done. And each one of them, um, it was just amazing to see how the Lord had worked in each one of their lives. Praise God for that. But now they are coming for membership. And so I want to talk to you guys first. Now, this is now your, your new church family, okay? So um, we look out for each other. Um, we pray for each other. We love each other well. Um, we, we're to, we, we love each other enough that we would say, you know, James, if you see me getting out of line, you should come up and say, Brother Shannon, you're, you're not walking in, in line with Scripture. We do that for each other out of love. We celebrate when good things happen. We mourn with each other when bad things happen. And so, is it your desire to, to, to join our church this morning? And are you willing to, to commit to the things that I just said to you? Would you say we will? Okay, perfect. <laughs> the church family, this is four new members of the church. And uh, we have the same responsibility to them, um, to pray for them, to love them to look out for them, to, to want them to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, to even maybe say, Weston, I saw the other day, and, and, and lovingly give correction to your life, not trying to shame Weston, but in order to, to bring him back into a, a full walk with Christ. And so these four are coming to you uh, uh, saying that they're willing to covenant together with you. Um, if the same is true for you, that you're willing to covenant with them, would you say, we will? we will? Now, what is your pleasure in regard to these four joining our church? Amen. Can I get a motion that we accept them? Been moved by Larry and seconded by, and y'all didn't even talk. Moved by Larry, seconded by Jerry, uh, that we accept them into our midst. And so, all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Now, I'd like to have the families come down front and... Uh, we're going to say a word of prayer. So families, come on down. Come on down. Um, I'm going to say a word of prayer. Um, tomorrow, there's going to be a new uh, person introduced into the world. Tomorrow, Michael is going to be induced. Um, her daughter, can I tell them the name? Melanie Diane is going to enter the world tomorrow, probably. Could be today, right? but probably tomorrow. Okay. So pray. we're going to pray for her. We're going to bless the meal. We're going to sing the doxology. Then on your way to lunch, come by and welcome uh, these four new members of our church. So let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this glorious day where we were reminded that Jesus Christ is the answer for everything that we need. We were broken. We were corrupt. We were controlled, we were condemned, but Christ Jesus died for us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith that we might believe. Thank you for drawing these four to yourself. Thank you for them placing their faith and trust in you, for their salvation, for them coming forward to be a member of our church. We pray, God, that you would grow them in faith. And Father, we also pray for Michael and for Melody Diane as tomorrow's a big day. Pray that the birth would be flawless, that mama and baby would be healthy, and that they could uh, just enjoy 
uh, this new life. Pray, God, that you would bless Michael and that you would bless Melody Diane. Uh, just richly pour your blessings into their laps. Let it overflow so that they might see your goodness and glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We'll sing the doxology, then come by and greet these folks. Praise God. Praise God.